0: Thanks for listening to the Master Brewers podcast. Did you know that Master Brewers offers a wide range of technical resources for breweries of all sizes? Whether you're new to brewing or a seasoned expert, join our community to connect with key players in the profession and stay up to date on the latest in brewing science, technology, and operations. Become a member of Master Brewers with code BEER2022 to save 20% on your membership dues now through December 31st.
2: Brew Ninja, a brewery software solution that streamlines your day-to-day operations, including inventory, accounting, sales, and compliance, so that you can focus on making great beer. Listeners of this podcast will receive a unique offer by going to GetBrewNinja.com and using the code Ninja 21
3: We said, okay, once it's in the foil, that's when the brewer has full total control at what rate our our thing is going to degrade, the alpha acids, the beta acids, total oil content, and and various oil compounds that, that we analyzed in our study.
1: This week on the show, what's the actual shelf life of the hops in your cooler, and what happens if you keep them there for a few more years? Hi, this is
3: Mark. I'm a technical manager for the Bart Haas Group uh, based in Nuremberg, Germany.
1: I like this study because it looks at practical conditions that the average brewer might be working with rather than lab or optimal conditions. Talk about those real world conditions that you studied
3: first off we took two of the largest uh varieties uh so in terms of acreage uh, the study was over a time period of 38 months so it was a very long time and uh, we stored these hops at three degrees celsius and 25 degrees celsius uh and then the study was done with uh, T90 pellets. So, normal pelletized, non-enriched uh, um, pellets um, fresh right uh, after the harvest. So, the big, the big difference with this study um, compared to many other storage studies is that um, oxygen was not uh, a part of the study. So, that was one factor that um so wasn't sort of
1: like a forced analysis there would be an addition of oxygen to to do the force test right
3: exactly, but we said, okay um if we're going to do a study um we want to do it uh for uh under practical conditions um in inert gas, so basically in the foil there was um c o two introduced and there may have been very small amounts of oxygen just as um, when pellets are packaged. Um, there is a slightly higher amount of oxygen um, because um, just because that's inside of the pellet a little and uh, you can't get 100% of the oxygen out of the bag before packaging.
1: All right. um,
3: but we're talking about less than 2% of the gas volume That um, was oxygen, which is standard for for pellet hops.
1: Talk about what freshness really means in hops and which parameters you wanted to measure to assess freshness.
3: Well, for hops, we usually have a certificate of analysis. And the certificate of analysis is basically kind of like a snapshot. Um, That's where we can say, okay, at the usually at the time of processing. This is what the alpha acid content is. This is the beta acid content. This is the total oil content. And maybe if you have uh, an extensive uh, analysis, then you might get some individual compounds. So that's kind of time point zero. And um, I basically took a uh, quote out of... um, A book, Hops, Their Cultivation, Composition, Usage, and freshness, they say freshness is a measure of the degree to which the hop compounds remain unchanged from the time of harvest until they enter the wort in the brewing process. And um, that's kind of, let's just say, a very wide uh, definition of what freshness means. But for the brewer, it's most of the time um, conditions that they can uh, actively control and that's um, from when they're at your brewery and how you store them and how you treat them um, and so the coa is going to give you basically time point zero of these hops in the foil and then the freshness for you or the degree of freshness i should say is whenever you add them to the to the brewing process
1: at what point do merchants typically grab the samples that create the numbers that appear on my COA? Are they typically sampling for analysis uh, after packaging and maybe even a little storage time, or is it before packaging? Is it right as it goes into the bag? How, how does that work?
3: Yeah, exactly. So basically, uh, depending upon the pellet, um, so it really depends on um, um, the actual what the brewer wants. Um, so usually if we're making standard T90s, um, we're putting it through the, um, the pelletizing process and we're analyzing it. So we know the alpha in the bale, and then while we're processing it, we're also taking samples. So we'll create uh, a powder, Um, It'll be mixed uh, and then it will, based on the bale alphas, we're going to get a calculated alpha content. And then we're comparing this calculated alpha content that we believe is going to come out because we know the weight, we know the alpha, we know all of the bales, how many bales are going in. And then we're measuring the powder um, before we actually pelletize. And this is- Like it's
1: just sort of a verification that-
3: verification okay is this basically you know there are losses of course so um we are going to lose some and so that's calculated into and then we're able to look at uh the alpha content in the actual powder and uh, then we'll be able to say okay we're going to palletize we're going to analyze it and then we're going to say okay this is the final alpha value when it's packaged and um, that's why I said time point zero for the brewer, because um, before that, there are so many factors and there's so many different um, farmers. Uh,
1: <laughs> Let's hear about the main variables that influence what happens during storage.
3: Um, so what's good about when we package uh, pellets in a foil with inert gas is that there's not many variables here um so we 've already um we have our pellet we have our alpha acid and um that 's only going to uh change um based on the storage temperature um the actual gas um, i e oxygen concentration um
1: Which you said is usually less than 2%, basically, right? Correct, yeah. Yeah.
3: Mm -hmm. And um, the moisture level also has an influence, uh, although we did not uh, look at that extensively in this trial, um, just because um, if you have a moisture level less than 11%, this is kind of what has been shown in studies, that, uh, really there is no effect on the stability of the pellet um, when it's stored in an inert atmosphere. Okay. So, And
1: we would expect it to, to always be less than that anyway at this point, right?
3: Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Could you maybe talk a little bit about the packaging materials themselves? Uh, not all merchants use the same bags, but many do use the same or similar foils. And I, I remember early in my career when most of the hops that arrived, they came in vacuum-sealed foils rather than the loose-packed um, that you get now. And you had to drop the bags on the floor or use a giant screwdriver to to break the <laughs> pellets apart. Anything you want to say about the packaging materials that are commonly used today?
3: So... Um, the packaging is quite specific. Um, it's, it's multi-layer and we, we, we do multiple tests on this. Uh, so we make sure that there is some, uh, specific, spun- uh, puncture strength. Um, so that's where if you've, you know, of course, uh, everyone probably has uh, touched one of these foils. It's not, you know, very thin, it's very thick, you know, you can throw it around and it won't open. Um, The advantage of the soft packs, which we um, transferred over to um, many, many years ago, um, is that if there is a puncture in the bag and it really doesn't move too much, um, there isn't really going to be a big effect on the amount of gas that escapes or gets in. Yeah. I mean unless you're uh you have it and you're playing with it like an accordion and there's uh a, there's a, a hole in it, then that's when there's gonna be oxygen uh coming in. But, you know, if let's say you get a pallet and uh someone accidentally, you know, punctures uh one of the bags and it sits there, it's cold, you're actually going to um, be actually pretty safe. Yeah. And Why is that- That's uh, compared to like a vacuum pack. If you do get a puncture, um, a vacuum pack will then suck in air. So that's the big difference.
1: Okay. You know, I've noticed even with the modern loose packed bags, if you look inside of the bag after using the hops, oftentimes you can see weak spots in the bag where it's not punctured but maybe stretched and mm-hmm. maybe a little light is coming through are those bags still keeping oxygen out it sounds like they probably are or have they been compromised
3: the foil itself it has multiple layers and that provides that gives it its strength and so if it's stretched it should not be compromised um but that can be easily tested by um if you can you know uh, uh introduce air by maybe pulling it apart, then of course you have a weak bag there.
1: Is one hot merchant's foil better than another or are they all coming from the same place pretty much anyway? Um do you have any insight on that? Um I are they, don't are they personally? like proprietary, you know, to your uh, <laughs> company or not really? I
3: <laughs> I I don't personally. Uh I don't know what Competitors are doing that with. I mean, what I can say is for our company is that uh, John A. Haas and Bart Haas, we use the same foils. Um, And uh, this isn't my expertise, but I would assume that um, they're all very similar.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So going back to your study, you looked at two different varieties. Let's do one at a time here. Describe what you observed.
3: So the first part of the study uh, that I wanted to uh, show is that um, when you store pellets cold um, they are going to be stable but with the uh, uh, different alpha analyses all of them stay the same so it's a very good indication that if you store your ops cold you're going to be fine um, but stored at a higher temperature, then you are going to get a significant loss of alpha acids. And uh, this is an example of Pearl. Um, Of course, brewers around the world are interested in keeping alpha acids uh, uh, and their content as stable as possible because that's how um, basically um, all of the alpha acids are purchased or the most of the alpha acids are purchased around the world and um, being kilogram alpha uh, that people are purchasing. And uh, if you store them warm, then you're basically losing money um, because you're not going to be able to bitter your beers um, as uh, they were at, let's say time point zero. Yeah. So Pearl, for example, uh, um, I'll just use the HPLC method. It starts at about 4.9, and after the 38 months at 25 degrees, we're down to um, about 2.7. Yeah, So um, it's almost you lost half of your alpha acids.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so, um, I guess a couple of things to point out there. So, so one, just go back to you said cold, but let's be more specific. You know, what what were the temperatures that you used there, just to demonstrate, you know, uh, the range of cold, if you will.
3: So we stored them at three degrees Celsius. This is, um, I would say, standard um, to store them cold, uh, and that stays very, very stable um, um, or it stayed stable in our, in our study. Uh, of course, you know, with any refrigeration you're going to have sometimes that, you know, maybe up to five might go down to two. Um, but basically it was all at three degrees Celsius. Um, and then the ambient was at room temperature. So around 25 degrees Celsius.
1: Okay. And, um, and I I thought it was pretty cool because you did look at uh you did the alpha analysis you know basically three different ways right and so you confirmed it um that it was essentially pretty close to a flat line from three totally separate methods right
3: correct yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but there was variation between those methods which we do expect um, yeah
3: I mean and and yeah we can't forget about the uh, analysis variation. So, even uh, you know, every method has its own analysis variation. So, there's uh, basically whether you take the EBC75, the ASBC, or the HPLC method, there's always going to be some variation, um, even within your laboratory. And if you were to say, okay, I'm going to send this hop, um, the same hop pellet. To another laboratory, they may get a different uh, value. So there, that's why you, there are some slight um, higher values, slight lower values. But you can basically say that it was uh, it, it did not
1: move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for the cold and then the warm for the cold uh, dr- dropped uh, quite a bit.
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. So just as an example, just beca- just to take the most uh, precise method, the HPLC, it was about half as much. Yeah, uh, alpha after 38 months.
1: Coming up. We
3: even had some hops um, at our storage facility that weren't called off by a brewery. And uh, so we analyzed them 10 years later and they had only a 25% loss of alpha acids.
1: I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. There's really only one thing that keeps this podcast going, and that's when listeners like you take the time to thank our sponsors. The next time you talk to a rep from one of these companies, be sure to thank them for their generous support.
2: Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand-new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Brew Monitor from Precision Fermentation works with your existing fermentation tanks to track dissolved oxygen, pH, gravity, pressure, temperature, and conductivity in real time from any smartphone, tablet, or PC. Get started for 30 days risk-free. Visit precisionfermentation.com/mbaa.
0: This episode is brought to you by Rar Malting Company, celebrating 175 years of the malt of reputation. Since 1847, raw Malt has been a benchmark of quality and consistency for brewers everywhere. Raar can help your brewery maintain quality and consistency. Our technical center provides testing and analytical expertise on barley, malt, beer, and other fermented beverages and ingredients. Learn more about our services at bsgcraftbrewing.com.
1: Are you looking to diversify your portfolio to include non-alcoholic beer or hard seltzer? You can do both with Alpha Laval's low alk and de technologies. Whether through membrane filtration or vacuum stripping, Alpha Laval's innovative solutions are designed to provide gentle and efficient treatment of your beer, cider, hard seltzer, or other beverages so your customers can experience the best that your brand has to offer. Visit AlphaLaval.us slash MBAA to learn more. And here's what's coming up on the Master Brewer's calendar. District Southeast meets October 14th at MotorWorks Brewing. District Northwest meets in Olympia October 21st and 22nd. District Georgia meets at Round Trip Brewing in Atlanta October 22nd. District Eastern Canada has a webinar on the best practices in dry hopping October 25th. The District Midwest Technical Conference is October 28th and 29th. District Philly meets November 4th and 5th at the Wyndham in Old City. District Great Plains meets November 11th and 12th at Free State Brewing in Lawrence. District Rocky Mountain meets November 12th in Glenwood Springs. District Milwaukee meets November 17th at Sunshine Brewing Company in Lake Mills. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. back to the show did anything jump out when you looked at uh key aroma compounds
3: yeah so this is where uh this was kind of the part of the study that was i I would say somewhat new Um, um just because we have looked at a lot of these we all we all know that alpha beta acids um, there, or alpha acids especially, are going to degrade at ambient temperature. And uh, just looking at pearl, we have to take into consideration that there are going to be less of these fruity, uh, aromatic, less esters, um, and uh, in general, less myrcene. So if we look at, uh, I took 85, or we analyzed 85 compounds, I screened all of those 85 compounds and basically took all of the ones out that didn't show any movement or they may have shown um, non-detectable or one um, um, milligram per 100 grams of hops. Um, and then I said, okay, I have a set of aroma compounds and uh, which ones changed and which ones are important in beer. So it was kind of a mixture between <clears throat> those two philosophies. Um, and I'm mentioning that just because everyone shows different compounds all the time. You know, sometimes people just show, uh, myrcene, beta-caryophylline, uh, farnesine, linalool, citronol, neral, geraniol. Um, and, um, I did a little bit, uh, we, I added a few more, um, So a few esters, uh, I'm not going to (laughs) name every single one here, but uh, I think that'll be, I'll I'll tell you a little bit about that uh, later with citra hops. Um, So what we saw is that myrcene uh, in pearl, and I can already say in citra, decreased at cold and at ambient. Temperatures. Um, this is logical. Myrcene is a very liable, it's a very sensitive compound. Um, and so that decreased uh, in just as an example, and the cold uh, temperature, it actually decreased about 31%. So, um, and when I say 31% or any percentages, these are um, um, all based off of time point zero versus our last measurement um, at 38 months. Okay. Um, one interesting or two interesting, very interesting compounds that showed up both in pearl and citra was limonene and farnesine. And these increased um, and actually at ambient temperature, there was a stronger uh, or a higher increase of these compounds. So, um, uh, for example, at ambient temperature in pearl, limonene increased from time point zero from one milligram to three milligrams, and farnesene increased from one at ambient to seven at um, the last uh, measurement. So, uh, this is quite. Large increase. Um, I couldn't find any, um, any sources for actually why this happens. Um, of course, we know that there are so many aroma compounds um, in hops that really it's hard to say exactly what happens in an inert gas atmosphere. But there uh, must be something um, I did find in some other literature about uh, lemon ver- verbena essential oil, and it, they also showed that uh, farnesine, uh, sorry, that limonene uh, increased as well, um, but there was no real explanation, so um, we couldn't, couldn't really say uh, exactly where it comes from. Um, okay, so. so
1: for all the compounds that increased over time, uh, there's no smoking going for that?
3: No, I mean, uh, these two compounds are you know, Known, well known, um, but they're not going to be a make it or break it for hops. Um, sure. And we all know Farnesine is kind of this compound that many people relate to these land race noble varieties um, and, you know, Spalt, uh, uh, Tetanang, um, Sauce, and those are kind of, let's just say, an indicator of a noble variety. Um, and so yeah. I found it quite interesting that it increases. I assume there's some something going on in between different uh, compounds, um, um, but it, you, you can't really put your finger on anything. Um, okay. Just uh, another comment uh, about uh, two more compounds, and that's of some of the esters that they decreased both at cold and uh, at at ambient temperature, and what was interesting is that humulene epoxide two, um, one of these epoxides, uh, actually decreased. So um, that's just an indication that there was this was all done in inert gas, um, and that there was really a degradation of some of these uh, aroma compounds. Um, so. It can be there is some something going on that we don't know, but I would say most of the time or some of the time it's going to be just a compound degradation. Yeah.
1: Anything you want to say in regards to your Citra analysis?
3: So Citra, we also did the same analysis and also had the same results. Um, there was uh, at cold temperatures, the alpha acid stayed consistent. Um, Over time, there was a slight decrease, but um, nothing significant. Yeah. Um, And just as a comparison, at ambient temperature, the alpha acid uh, decreased uh, with the HPLC analysis from um, about almost exactly 11 Percent alpha acids to uh, 38 months later it was at around 7.4 so um, it wasn't quite as extreme as pearl and um, but uh, still significant as in terms of the amount of alpha acids lost absolutely i mentioned that there was a little Higher content of many of the Roma compounds, myrcene, uh, as well as especially the esters. And some of the esters um, survived, did better at colder temperatures than other esters. Okay, um, which ones? So uh, 2-methylbutyl, 2-methylpropanoate actually stayed quite stable at cold temperature. Um, as well as 2-on-decanone um, stayed somewhat stable. Okay, that's a ketone, but also very fruity. And then um, methyl deca-4-NO8 uh, also stayed somewhat stable during these times. Um, and that was also, interestingly enough, the ketone 2-on-decanone, also at ambient temperature, it stayed somewhat stable. Um, but. Basically, across the board for the esters, um, they uh, decreased to almost uh, zero um, at ambient temperature. So, uh, I think that's also just a pure indication that we need to store the hops cold to uh, keep the fruity esters.
1: Um, do you have any um, data show it, was that a gradual decrease or was it a sudden decrease? You know, was it sort of kind of linear like the what you see with the alpha acids?
3: I didn't do that of every single compound. Um, okay, so you just
1: did that kind of at the beginning and the end.
3: Yes, yeah. I see. Um, just because it's very difficult <laughs> to That's show a lot of analysis, yeah. so many so many compounds and uh, to make it somewhat visual. Uh, I did the initial and the last. Um, Analysis, but the total oil content, we saw that Citra did, Citra and Pearl, they lost some oil initially. Um, As an example, for Citra at cold, it started at 2.3, around 2.3 milliliters per 100 grams. And then after about a year, it leveled off at around to 2.05 milliliters of oil and it stayed basically constant Um, even after uh, what we usually say shelf life of three years for a hop variety Um, so after 38 months we still had very similar oil content Um, and for even at ambient temperature that was also the case that at the end of the, uh, analysis, we went only from 2.3 to 1.7 milliliters of oil. So there is something in there where we see that the oil content does stay the same. Um, so.
1: You saw a similar phenomenon with Pearl. It's just that the, the drop was a little, the stabilization occurred a little sooner, right?
3: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I I would assume that has uh, something to do with just the amount of compounds and the type of compounds. Like I said, some of these esters did, even at cold temperatures, decrease. So it may be that there could be an indication that some of these esters then um, drop off at the beginning and um, then it stays stable uh, for the rest of the time.
1: So so why do we think that why do we think oil content drops like that, you know, in the first few months or a year and then stabilizes? Is the is the stabilization the point at which that whatever little oxygen is in the bag becomes depleted, or is there something else going on there?
3: I I, I believe you're you're correct that there is some of that oxygen um in the foil that is, of course, unavoidable, but um but does degrade some of these uh, aroma compounds. Um, but other than that, I, I don't really know whether there's anything that you can put your finger on. Um, so it, I think it definitely uh, would be interesting to maybe even uh, at the next MBA or ASBC to um, make a poster and look at some of these individual compounds and see whether we can elude anything um, from the actual uh individual aroma compounds compared to the total oil content yeah yeah
1: yeah, okay, so we know this stability during storage is variety dependent uh, just anecdotally i've stored uh, i've 've cold stored european t90s um, German and especially some slovenian varieties for even longer than your study and been amazed by how fresh they were six or seven years later. what is it that makes those varieties so stable
3: (laughs) well I, i you're right there is a variety differences in the stability so we know that from many many studies um and i don't want to call any hop varieties out but um i believe most of the hop varieties that we uh when we do store them they and we do store them cold in vacuum packs or soft packs um, and there's no punctures and everything, the storage is great. Then we can store hops for 10 years and you'll see that we even had some hops um, at our storage facility that weren't called off by a brewery. And uh, so we analyzed them 10 years later and they had only a 25% loss of alpha acids um, I personally didn't smell them, but I, I, I assume that they smelled very fresh. So I think that there still is some, I think the key here is that hops, hop pellets are being stored in inert gas atmosphere and stored cold. And so I think that would be the main factor, um, over, let's just say, um, the hop variety or the, uh, the the specific or the the uh uh, the differences in the different hop varieties yeah yeah um so that's still a factor of course that we have to take into consideration but the number one factor is cold inert gas and then we're going to have a very stable uh hop variety
1: i I think a lot about sort of like the the shipping of hops, right? It's it's very it's you know hops are commonly shipped not cold. I mean there are, there are certainly situations where they are shipped cold, but um, there are a whole lot of hops that are shipped all around the world, you know, <laughs> uh, at ambient temperatures. Yep. But I think one thing that's interesting is that you know even when you look at the curves on your your assessment of the the ambient stored hops, the degradation is still you know, pretty slow in the grand scheme of things. So to me that says, you know, okay, a week warm is really not that big of a deal. Um, Correct. Would you agree with that assessment or no? Yeah,
3: I mean, uh, (laughs) this is exactly what uh, we talk about with a lot of breweries, and um, I mean, there's uh, when we're shipping hops around the world. uh, There's different regions. Uh, There's also some good literature from Forster, Adrian Forster, that looked at sending hops over the equator, and that's where it it gets a little dicey. Um, Yeah, it's real warm, (laughs) (laughs) but but. If we're talking about, okay, it's the summer, it's maybe, uh, I, I mean, I, we'll just stay with Celsius uh, since we've been using that the whole time. Um, if it's, you know, 30 degrees, it's not good, of course, um, for anything um, that's stored, any food stuff that's stored at that temperature. But um, one to two weeks, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. Um, but of course, you know, ideal situations would be a reefer container. <laughs> right. uh, and um, so, but yeah, as you, as you said, the short amount of time, uh, a couple weeks, isn't going to uh, uh, make the hop so that it's unusable. Um, so to wrap it all up, um, we saw in our study typical degradation of alpha acids independent of the method. And, um, that we did see some degradation of these hop oil compounds, um, that I mentioned before. And, uh, but it is variety dependent. So, um, what was really promising to see is that the hop, the total hop oil content over time was stable for both varieties. Um, but we did see that that right after um, packaging, that we did see some decrease in some of the aroma compounds. There was an increase in limonene and farnesine, which surprised us, and that happened in both the varieties. So we can um, be sure, even though we don't have an explanation of why exactly that happened, um, we do see that that was consistent um, between both varieties. It's great to be able to talk a little bit more uh also more in depth about this topic because it's important it's been covered in the brewing industry many years back, but it's always good to kind of take a new fresh look um, and um, see what the hop how how hop pellets uh are stored yeah? yeah and um many brewers are using them two, three, even longer, and uh they're still. Value beyond the let's just say best buy date, which it happens to be for most hop manufacturers three years for pellet hops. But um, we've seen that you know they can still be used past this. Uh, But of course, it depends on when you're adding it, what kind of beer you're making, etc. (laughs) etc.
1: That was Mark Zunkel here on the Master Brewers podcast. Check the show notes for links and keep those hops cold. Oh. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner Brew Ninja, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please... Let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support.